Hey everyone, I'm your host, John Sherrod, and this is Quick Take. Welcome back to Quick Take. This is episode 10. And if you haven't done so already, I'd like to invite you to go back and listen to episode 9, uh, which was my wrap-up of Apple's WWDC announcements. Um, last week, Apple held its Worldwide Developers Conference, its annual conference for developers. And of course, uh, on the first day of that conference every year, Apple has a keynote, which is live-streamed to the public. And uh, this was a big one. As I said in the show last week, I think this year's WWDC keynote was uh, really the most exciting in years because, you know, we saw the usual uh, updates to Apple's core OSs, watchOS, tvOS, iOS, uh, and macOS. And uh, there was some really, really good stuff there. But also we saw some really intriguing hardware products. Uh, you know, first of all, some uh, big updates to the Mac, particularly the iMac line and the iMac Pro, which was announced and will be shipping later this year. Then we had the new 10.5-inch uh, iPad Pro, alongside some really exciting new features coming for iPad specifically in iOS 11. And then lastly, the intriguing, and we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens to it, new HomePod product, which was Apple's uh, answer to the whole uh, voice-commanded speaker in the living room, although, as I said in the podcast, not quite in the way the tech press was expecting or kind of demanding um, that Apple do. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, go back and listen. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I'd invite you to do that as well. You can go on iTunes and subscribe. You know, it's um, it's interesting. When I first uh, kind of announced that I was going to be doing this podcast last fall, and I said I wanted to do a half-hour podcast dedicated to what's going on in the world of Apple, because I'm an Apple enthusiast, and there's a lot of Apple enthusiasts out there, I had a friend say, you know, I don't know, is there really enough material to, to cover that? And uh, yeah, there definitely is. And the problem, in fact, is usually trying to whittle down, you know, all the, the week's news into, you know, something that you can talk about in only 30 minutes. And of course, there are other Apple-focused podcasts out there that go way longer per episode and still don't cover everything that happens in a week. So uh, I, I, I've just been kind of as the week goes on, jotting things down in Apple Notes, just uh, links to articles um, of, you know, whether it be news or commentary or reviews or whatever it is, uh, just for some things to talk about. And I've got a, a, a big list of that, and there's no way I'm going to get through all of it. But we'll just kind of pick a few of these and kind of see kind of see where we go with this. Um, of course, there's been a lot of reaction to what Apple announced last week at WWDC. And uh, there have been, uh, you know, a lot of uh, reviews of some of the new hardware products, and particularly the iPad Pro, since a lot of people are really intrigued with the story Apple's telling with iPad. And um, I haven't gotten to spend a whole lot of time with the new iPad Pro, but I did stop by my local Apple store the other day uh, after they had had them out on the, the display tables where you could kind of try them out. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of the early reviews had said was that when it comes to the new displays on the 10.5 and 13-inch iPad Pros, that, you know, Apple can kind of tell you what's exciting about the new ProMotion technology. That's what they're kind of calling the new technology, new displays that includes uh, both faster refresh rates but also variable refresh rates. So we can kind of change to maximize performance and battery life depending on what you have on the screen. 
And a lot of these uh, reviews had said, you know, we can, you know, we can describe this all day long, but you really have to see it to experience it. And I found that to be the case. Um, it's, it's certainly not like the jump from non-retina to retina displays, but in the same way that you have to experience it to really get it, it is similar in that respect at least. But, you know, one of the things I can tell you is just walking into the store and touching the screens and kind of swiping from, you know, one page of apps to another on the home screen uh, in a way that's kind of hard to describe. It's just a lot more fluid. It just feels less laggy. It feels less like you're using your finger to tell the the processor and the iPad to perform an action and more like, you know, what's on the screen is just responding to you naturally. So uh, really cool to, you know, it's a little thing. It's a subtle thing, but it's something that I think you'll really enjoy using once you use it. And so again, I only had just a very brief time to spend with the new iPad Pro, but uh, it was really, really fun to play with. So if you uh, wind up picking one up out there, uh, you know, drop me a line and let me know what you think. Also, while I'm on that topic, if you have any questions uh, that you'd like me to discuss on the show, feel free to, to let me know that as well. And uh, I'll talk about how you can get in touch with me uh, a little later on in the program. One other thing I'll say just real briefly is that I just, uh, in fact, earlier this evening, got my first Apple HomeKit device. I actually had a, a smart thermostat installed in my house. Um, well, because we recently had to have an entire new air conditioning unit installed. And I was like, well, here's as good a time as any to try out a smart thermostat. And I specifically wanted one that was compatible with Apple HomeKit. And so I've got that. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that this week. I'll leave that as a teaser for next week so that I'll have had some time to you know, play with it and experiment and kind of see what all it can do. But I think that HomeKit is one of the more interesting but not super widely reported stories of some technology that Apple's been working on the last few years. And it'll be interesting to see how HomeKit and the kind of bigger uh, home automation, smart home technology story unfolds in the coming years. So the first kind of big thing I wanted to talk about tonight was this whole thing about Apple maybe working on self-driving cars or autonomous vehicle systems. You know, this is something that is so funny to think about Apple doing this because I just remember years ago, um, you know, people joking about what if Apple made a car and, you know, the joke about what if Microsoft made a car and it would, you know, it would be breaking down every day and, you know, silly things like that. But we didn't, I don't think many of us, I certainly didn't think that there was ever a possibility, a real possibility that Apple could be working on a car or some sort of automotive technology um, whatsoever. But in the last, you know, a couple of years, that's actually sounding like a very real possibility. And uh, earlier uh, this month, uh, this story just broke the other day. Um, Tim Cook, Apple CEO Tim Cook, sat down with Bloomberg reporter Emily Chang and I'm just going to play a little audio clip from their interview. You've said cars are an area ripe for disruption. How important is it that Apple not miss out on cars? I think there is a major disruption looming there, uh, not only for self-driving cars, but also the electrification piece. If you've driven an all-electric car, it's, it's actually a marvelous experience. And it's a marvelous experience not to stop at the filling station or gas station, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and so, plus, you have ride sharing on top of this, right? And so you've got kind of three vectors of change 
happening generally in the same time frame. And so as we look at it in uh, what we're focusing on, or what, what we've talked about focusing on publicly, is we're focusing on autonomous systems. And uh, clearly one purpose of autonomous systems is self-driving cars. There are others. Uh, and we sort of see it as the mother of all AI projects. It's probably one of the most difficult AI projects actually to, to work on. And so autonomy is something that's incredibly uh, exciting for us. And, uh, but we'll, we'll see where it takes us. We're not really saying from a product point of view what, we're, what we will do. We're, but we are being uh, straightforward that it's a core technology that we view as very important. Okay, so that was Tim Cook talking about Apple's apparent project working on uh, automated technology that could include technology for an all-electric car. And in case you haven't been following the story super closely, and, and again, it's one of those things where uh, this is one of the very few times that Apple has publicly commented on it, and certainly the first time that anyone at Apple has said anything of any great amount of detail on the subject. Uh, so really what we've mostly been dealing with uh, is just a series of slow leaks and you know, little bits of information that has come out. And the Bloomberg piece in question has uh, kind of a good uh, summary of, of kind of what we've known from here. So I'm just going to read a little bit from this Bloomberg article. And uh, here's what it says. It says, Apple had initially been seeking to build its own car before recalibrating those ambitions last year to prioritize the underlying technology for autonomous driving, Bloomberg News reported. It goes on, the iPhone maker had hired more than 1,000 engineers to work on Project Titan, as the car team is known internally, after it started in 2014. Ballooning costs and headcount led to Apple veteran Bob Mansfield being given the reins of the team in 2016. Cook has never before openly outlined Apple's plans, though public filings have surfaced in recent months that provided snapshots of Apple's efforts. The iPhone maker secured a permit from the California Department of Motor Vehicles in April to test three self-driving sports utility vehicles, photos of which emerged several weeks later. A half dozen vehicles had been surreptitiously testing the autonomous technology on public roads in and around the San Francisco Bay Area for at least a year, according to someone familiar with Project Titan. Apple spokesman Tom Newmayer, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, declined to comment on how long the company has been conducting road tests. And it continues. In December, Steve Kenner, Apple's Director of Product Integrity, penned a letter to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration revealing the company's interest in automotive technology. It became public when it was published on a federal website. In the letter, Kenner wrote about the company's excitement surrounding the potential for automated systems in fields like transportation. So that is uh, just a little bit from the Bloomberg article. Uh, from Alex Webb and Emily Chang that just provides some some backdrop for kind of what led us to uh, this interview where Tim Cook openly talked about it. And it is odd to hear the CEO of Apple openly talking about something that uh, is not even a product at this point. And it doesn't sound like they necessarily even know what kind of product, if any, they will deliver based on this technology. Um, you know, uh, Especially given that, you know, when you looked at the announcements they made at WWDC last week, you know, there were a few uh, rumors here and there in the press, but but most of what we saw, certainly the form it took, w was completely uh, uncommented on by Apple uh, 
prior to the event. I mean, that's how they've always operated. Um, there's a, a culture of secrecy at Apple, and, and there's pros and cons to that. Uh, but one of them is that they get to um, release information about the products they're working on at the time and in the manner that they want to. And so it's interesting that Tim Cook is commenting on something that, you know, if they've only been working on it since 2014 and there's no clear, or at least it doesn't appear there's necessarily a clear product in mind for this, you know, it just makes you wonder why, why is he talking about it? Um, hard to say. Um, you know, a few things. John Gruber on his blog speculated that, um, you know, there's a lot of regulatory stuff involved in bringing a new product to the market, especially one in a new industry that Apple hasn't been involved in in the past. And so it's sort of impossible to completely keep a project like this secret because you're going to have to disclose things in federal filings, as was mentioned in the piece I just read. Um, and that's going to kind of blow the whistle on some things. That's part of why, uh, probably at least, that when the first iPhone, for example, was introduced, it was introduced in January 2007, but it didn't ship until the middle of the year. And uh, probably a lot of that is because there were some things that Apple still had to disclose to regulatory bodies that uh, they didn't want to you know, have those filings spoil the product. And, and uh, of course, that was one of the most dramatic uh, product introductions uh, in the history of consumer products, honestly. So it's going to be interesting to see what Apple does with this. You know, he specifically did not say in the piece, hey, Apple's working on an electric car. If all of the reporting and rumors about Project Titan are to be believed, it sounds like Apple initially got into the project with the goal of producing an electric car, but ran into some setbacks last year and is kind of refocused or recalibrated, as the Bloomberg piece put it, uh, on autonomous systems, which would maybe mean the actual technology involved in you know, making a self-driving car system, not necessarily an entire car vehicle. So I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, and it's something that I haven't put a lot of thought into lately, but it, now, now we're kind of forced to, now that Tim Cook has commented on it publicly. And, you know, I think, you know, there's always, whenever we see Apple or any company getting into a category that they don't have any previous experience in, um, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, well, is this wise for the company to do? And that's something that I can't answer today in June 2017. Um, You know, certainly if, certainly I think Tim Cook is right that, sort of the world and the industry is on the cusp of major disruption uh, where, you know, automotive technology has certainly improved over the years, but has fundamentally been built around the internal combustion engine. And now thanks primarily to the success of Tesla, you're seeing, which was a, you know, a major disruption for this non, this company that had never produced a car before to just walk into the industry. And it wasn't an overnight success, but you've seen them make a major impact on the entire automotive uh, market in terms of sales numbers, but also in terms of the fact that now you've got uh, every car manufacturer out there working on an electric vehicle of some sort, it seems like. So everybody is, is trying to get in on this game. And so, you know, if Apple can step into this with a successful product, there is the potential to bring the company a lot of revenue and make an impact on a, on an industry that Apple hasn't been involved in. Uh, so there's that on the one hand. On the other hand, it could be an, a massive waste of time for the company if they're not able to uh, step in competitively into this market or deliver a product. You know, because again, they're 
they're sort of having to create a, a competency in this by uh, focusing their time and money and attention and also bringing in external talent into the company to focus on this. So, you know, uh, we're just going to have to see, you know, yeah, there's opportunity costs involved in everything, even for a company as wealthy as Apple. So, you know, if, if this winds up, you know, not being a successful move for Apple, then the question would be, well, what could they have been spending their money and time and attention on uh, if not for Project Titan? So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily bullish or bearish on this. I don't know what to think about this product long term or this project. Of course, we don't even know what product it will be if it is a product. Uh, you know, Tim Cook mentioned, you know, automotive being one application for autonomous systems, but he said there may be others. And I... I am certainly no expert in this field, so I can only imagine what else that could be. I suppose it could be other types of um, heavy machinery or perhaps, I don't know, maybe there's application into manufacturing and automation there. You know, he talked about this being one of the major AI or artificial intelligence challenges. So, you know, certainly even if Apple doesn't wind up delivering uh, an automotive product, maybe the learning from this could help them in other areas where artificial intelligence um, at least as the term is used these days, um, you know, has some effect on something else they're working on. So we'll have to see. It's going to be interesting. It's an interesting time really in the history of technology and consumer products um, with all the the different types of, I mean, just, just how quickly we've come where, you know, 10 years ago, um, the iPhone didn't exist. And now it's changed the way that we interact with computers in many parts of the world. The iPhone is the only computer someone has, and it is their main way of interacting with the greater world. So, um, it's an interesting time. So we'll, uh, you know, as, as there is more to discuss and digest on this topic, we will have more to talk about on this show. But in the meantime, we'll just kind of leave it at that. The next thing I want to talk about really briefly and this caught me completely by surprise, was that Apple released a new version of its iWork uh, productivity suite. And, um, you know, I've been uh, someone who has really enjoyed using iWork for many years. It's honestly, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it sounds weird to say that a, a suite of Office applications delights me, but it does. Whenever I use Pages or Keynote, in particular, uh, it's just a, it's a really fun experience. And I'm not someone who's naturally necessarily very creative, but it makes the process fun. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, I was never a fan of math. And so the idea of getting me to use a spreadsheet uh, is, is a hard sell, but I actually find numbers enjoyable to use when I get in there and use. Uh, so all that to say, they just came out this, this week with a new update to the iWork suite, and it now includes clip art. Um, and this is something... Um, you know, back when I worked in Apple retail and I would train customers how to use pages, keynote and numbers, this was one of the main feature requests I would always hear. And of course I was in no position to do anything about it, but I certainly sympathize because it was something I wanted to see as well. But, you know, over, over those years, that was probably the main thing that people asked me about that they would love to see Apple do and I work. And, uh, and now it's here, you know, there, I don't know if what the market currently looks like, but I know for a long time, there was sort of a whole little cottage industry around, uh, third party companies, uh, creating these, um, uh, this clip art packs that you could buy and you, these companies would make different types of packs of clip art that you could buy and incorporate into to iWork. Um, and now Apple has its own solution to that. And it's really cool. And of course, in Apple's uh, traditional style, it's very tastefully done. 
um, you can click on, in fact, they don't even necessarily use the term clip art. They call it shapes. And of course, they've always had uh, geometric shapes that you could drop into a document in Pages or a presentation in Keynote. But now when you click on the Shapes button, you see still those traditional geometric shapes, but you also see uh, different categories of uh, different types of shape, and it's really clip art, and they have you know all sorts of things they've got. It kind of like if you look at the category for emoji on your iPhone, uh, you'll see they have uh, things like uh, symbols and animals and you know food and drink and travel and different things like that. And so there are tons and tons and tons of these uh, in there. And uh, you can go in and change the color and different things like that. And it's really cool. So I definitely invite you to check that out. I, I uh, was very excited about that and, and tweeted a little screenshot and said, hey, Clipart's coming to, to iWork and, and even got a like from someone at Apple who works on the iWork team. So bravo. Uh, thanks to everyone at Apple who worked on that because it's cool to see. And I know that a lot of people have been looking for that for a long time. The last thing I want to talk about this week was inspired by a tweet I saw earlier today that kind of riled me up. And it's this whole uh, topic of, you know, when company technology company X releases a product and someone says, oh, you know, technology company X has just ripped this off from technology company Y. And uh, I, I, this, I don't know, this makes me upset every time. Uh, and this was, <laughs> the tweet was inspired by uh, Paul Therott, who uh, for many, many years has run a website and, uh, that uh, focuses on Microsoft and Microsoft products and kind of, uh, he's uh, really one of the premier journalists, I would say, that covers Microsoft and its products as a company. And I don't know what inspired this tweet. He's clearly being sarcastic, so I, I totally understand that. But he says, and it kind of puts this uh, quotation marks around a fake quote that says, it looks like the new iPhone will be able to recognize your face and unlock when you look at it. And the quote ends, and he says, finally, someone invents this, only Apple. And only Apple is in all caps. And I don't know if he's referring to a real rumor. Of course, there are other phones on the market and uh, devices that you, know, you can look at, and it recognizes your faces and unlock it. You know, Windows computers do this, for example. And so I don't know if he's, he's seen some real rumor reporting that the new iPhone will do that. I have not been following uh, the new iPhone rumors super closely because it's still a little early to be too focused on that. Um, I don't know. Or maybe I don't know where, where this is coming from. But he, what he's commenting on is something that gets brought up every time Apple has an announcement. Um, you have uh, fans of other companies and products who will say, you know, oh, well, here's the here's the, the Apple users finally get this technology that's been on Windows computers or Android phones for two years now, and it's this sarcastic, condescending uh, thing where it's almost like they resent Apple for not directly attributing some feature to some other company's innovative work in the past or something like that. And I think this is just ridiculous. It's just another expression of the sort of unhealthy tribalism that we can all fall prey to. And it's kind of ridiculous that uh, people get so uh, tribalistic about personal computers and phones when you think about it. Now, I'm an Apple enthusiast, and I tend to and I tend to enjoy the things that Apple puts out, and they tend to make things, and in a way that really speaks to me on a practical and emotional level. Um, but my preferences are not the objective be-all, end-all of technology preferences. It's perfectly valid for other people to uh, prefer 
uh, you know, Google hardware and software or Microsoft hardware and software. Uh, so I just think it's a little ridiculous when, uh, you know, I don't know, we, we get into this competition about whose company that we don't even represent makes better products or came to market with something first. Uh, that's silly. Um, whether you're a fan of Apple or Microsoft or Google or BlackBerry or whatever, BlackBerry, whatever the company might be, your product might be, um, everyone in those various camps can point to some other company's announcement and say, well, we've had this feature uh, for however long. And, uh, and maybe it's true, but it just, it's just a childish thing to do to me to, to point that out. And, and again, I, not, I don't want to be unfair to Paul Therod. He's clearly being facetious in this tweet, but, uh, but he's also someone who uh, likes to troll uh, Apple fans and kind of get under their skin a little bit. Um, but it, but, so it bugs me, though, when people legitimately express this kind of sentiment um, because it's silly. Um, if Microsoft or Google or whatever company comes out with a great feature in their product, uh, I want Apple to include a feature, of course, delivered in Apple's way to Apple fans that, you know, I mean, think about it. I mean, if, if some company came out with some amazing feature and, and the product that you have from another company doesn't have it, wouldn't you want that feature? So that whole thing is, it's just ridiculous and silly to me. Uh, this is kind of coupled with another technology about the weird distorted way that people often define innovation. And that's a whole rant for another, another topic. But uh, you know, also this other thing about, you know, th- there's this, um, sort of meme from, uh, people who don't like Apple products that, you know, they uh, seem to resent, uh, seem to resent the fact that when Apple announces something that maybe has in fact existed in, a, in at least similarly on some other product that Apple doesn't somehow attribute it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, let's say that, um, you know, Microsoft comes out with a feature first, and Apple then, uh, let's say, six months or a year or two years later, comes on stage and announces that the iPhone or the Mac has uh, a similar feature or Apple's take on the same feature even. I mean, do these people really expect Apple to get up and say, and we'd like to thank you know, this other company for coming up with this feature that we've decided to include? No, that's ridiculous. We don't apply that type of rationale to anybody else. I mean, the, the, just the, the, the way... Uh, industry change and product change and innovation happens is that, you know, someone, and I think it's probably usually some obscure uh, person or company comes up with a feature and then bigger companies uh, incorporate it in and put their own spin on it and that sort of thing. If you haven't watched the uh, Vimeo video series, Everything is a Remix, I highly recommend it. And uh, he's got uh, a few different videos. I know he's got at least one that covers uh, personal computing and the history of that. And he's got one on uh, the history of popular music and one on the history of film and how uh, different uh, people, uh, innovators and creators and people that we esteem uh, in those different categories of, of uh, products and art ha- have only been able to create what they have because of the work of others that came before it. And so that's just the nature of pushing uh, technology forward. So there you go. There's my little rant for the night. I hope that was fun. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening again this week. Uh, again, if you, if you would do me a big favor, um, you know, share this on your social media. Go to iTunes and give me a five-star rating because 
you know, the five-star ratings really help uh, push a podcast up in, in terms of uh, discoverability and being uh, noticed in Apple's podcast store, uh, leave me a review. And if you want to get in touch with me, suggestions, um, rant at me yourself. Um, if you have a question that you'd like me to talk about on the show, uh, you can contact me on Twitter at J.W. Sherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. That's at J.W. Sherrod. And I'd love to hear from you and uh, discuss any of this stuff with you. Well, thank you so much for joining me again this week, and we'll see you next week on Quick Take. (laughs) 